It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka's seven-day case rate in the coronavirus pandemic now stands at 130, keeping the city in high COVID alert. As of Thursday, 14 of those cases were associated with the Sitka School District. Statewide, Alaska saw a 29% decrease in positive cases over the last week. However, every municipality in the state remains in high alert, while case rates slowly come down. Since the onset of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 2,100 cases, 29 hospitalizations, and six deaths. Alaska this month became the 47th state to report its first pediatric deaths from the coronavirus pandemic. The fatalities both occurred in mid-2021 during the Delta surge. State health officials nevertheless remain optimistic that the current Omicron wave has plateaued and that the high infection rates among residents of all ages will soon be coming down. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Dr. Ann Zink is the chief medical officer for the state of Alaska. Sadly, we uh, did have our two first pediatric deaths uh, that we are sharing here in the state. Um, these did happen a bit ago. It took a while for the death certificate review process uh, to come through both uh, infants less than 12 months old in the South Central region. The only other detail the Department of Health and Social Services would provide about the infants is that both were Alaska residents. During a weekly statewide press conference on February 3rd, department officials said that pediatric deaths are particularly tragic and counter the widespread idea held by the public that COVID-19 presents no risk to children. The two infants died during the Delta surge last year, which generally caused more severe illness and strained the capacity of the state's hospitals. During the current Omicron surge, severe illness and deaths are down and hospitals are functioning well but far more people are contracting the Omicron variant, including children. And while children are at low risk of severe COVID disease, Zink said the numbers are of concern. A lot of people are mixing. Kids need to be back in school and doing lots of things. But um, what we have seen with the number of childhood cases in the past has just been a real increase with this more recent uh, surge. And that's been very kind of different than early on in in the pandemic. And you can see this across the regions in the country. And here, when we look at the number of adult cases compared to child cases, again, those child cases, while all are going up, those child cases uh, clearly are going up as well. The number of cases nationally is now coming down. And in Alaska, we may be seeing a plateau within the next week. The BA2 variant of Omicron has been detected in the state, but it doesn't appear any more virulent than the original. And vaccines and medications remain quite effective. Sink said that Alaska has a roadmap, if not back to normal, It's to a better place than we were two years ago. COVID's going to be here with us for a very long time, if not forever. Um, And it will be probably continuing to change and we'll have surges and we'll have variants and we'll learn new things. Science isn't fixed. It's a process. And we'll continue to learn and respond uh, as we have challenges moving forward. But our tools and our resources in 2022 are definitely different than our tools and resources in 2020. So when we started, when we were, you know, helping to support that flight from Wuhan, you know, we didn't know how this virus spread. We didn't have PPE. We didn't have a test for it. We didn't have vaccines. We didn't have treatments. And we are at a really different place now in 2022 than we are at that place. We have most of the Alaska population has either been vaccinated or has previously had COVID-19. And while both of those things can wane over time, they still provide protection. 
We have treatments like we never had before. We have more masking and tools. Um, and we are finding ways to be together, have our kids in school, gather, and do the things that are important to us moving forward. The state section of epidemiology expects Omicron to taper off in Alaska in the near future, just as it has elsewhere in the country. And with the decline in cases will come a relaxation of some of the layers of mitigation that have been in place since last fall, but only some. Individual responsibility will continue to play a large role in controlling the pandemic. Dr. Zink said an immunocompromised person going through chemo and a fully vaccinated seven-year-old who's already low risk will protect themselves differently post-Omicron. There are as many different solutions as there are people in the state, she said. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Nearly three weeks after a volcanic eruption cut off communications to Tonga, a statewide coordinated effort to collect food and raise funds for the Pacific Island nation has landed in Juneau. KTOO's Rasha McChesney has this story. Over the weekend, two locations of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were open for eight hours on Saturday and Sunday to accept donations for Tonga. Melehoko Pau Ma'ake is helping to coordinate the whole thing. She says it all came together very quickly after she got a call from Edric Carrillo earlier this week. Carrillo works in Juno Senator Jesse Keel's office. She says the office was hoping to make contacts in the Tongan community in Juno, and... You know, they wanted to find out if, if I can help you know, find a facility that would be able to house all the donations here in Juneau. Ma'ake and another family member made some calls, and within a few hours, both bishops of their local LDS churches called back to volunteer church space. That was just so awesome, knowing that, you know, uh, we can have a place like that at the spur of the moment, very last minute. Right now, suggested donations are non-perishable foods like flour, sugar, and canned goods. There's also an option to donate at a website set up through the church. And they're also looking for donations of personal protective equipment to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Mask, hand sanitizer, um, you know, any, you know, cleaning supplies, uh, you know, would be um, would be what is most needed. Um, You know, the latest thing that's going on right now is, you know, COVID, um, you know, has has come to Tonga. You know, for them, it's, you know, it's, it's a it's a very, very big deal because, you know, they're a third world country. You know, they're very poor. And so they know that, um, you know, they cannot afford uh, to handle a situation if COVID, you know, starts, you know, affecting and, and, and if it goes out of hand ra- uh, rapidly. There have been worries of an influx of foreign aid and workers bringing the pandemic to Tonga. Right now, the whole country is on lockdown because health officials recorded the first two cases of community transmission of the virus. Ma'ake says it's still tricky to communicate with her relatives and friends in Tonga because phone and internet connections are inconsistent. And she knows a lot of people in Juneau are still struggling to figure out exactly what's going on and what people in Tonga need. This food drive and fundraiser have been a way for them to direct their efforts. They're very excited and, and here with the Tongan people because we're all so close. So they kind of like, OK, Mele, whatever you know you have in mind, let us know and we'll all jump in on it and help out. Ma'ake and several members of her family will be taking donations at the church locations over the weekend, and then they'll be packing everything up and sending it to Anchorage by Tuesday, February 8th. From there, Juno's donations will be combined with donations from all over the state. The Polynesian Association of Alaska and Anchorage has partnered with the city of Anchorage and the state to collect aid for Tonga. And Ma'ake says that a larger shipment of goods will be going out to Tonga next Wednesday. In Juno, I'm Rasha McChesney. 
Alaska's congressional delegation made a unique appearance before state lawmakers Friday and told them that the state benefited a lot from the recently passed federal infrastructure law. Representative Don Young defended the law against Republican critics. He says it will send Alaska $6,000 per resident for transportation infrastructure, the most of any state. Some people within the state don't think this is a good deal. Try something without it. Uh, I I'm, I'm keep telling people, just keep in mind, I had people tell me, well, we could do better when we're in control. That's nonsense. Young and Senators Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan testified by video conference before the State House Labor and Commerce Committee. Young proposed that legislators work with the delegation in a joint oversight committee to ensure that Alaska projects are funded and built in a timely manner. Murkowski says it was unique for the delegation to speak to a state legislative committee, and it showed how unprecedented the law is. She was part of a small bipartisan group of senators who spent last year working on the bill. She says it included benefits for each state, like the Alaska Marine Highway System here. What we were trying to do was knit together an infrastructure bill that was going to be good for all of America, including those of us in the far north. Sullivan says he opposed pieces of the bill, but that overall it will help Alaska. He also says it was similar to a bill former President Donald Trump's administration supported. Sullivan says the estimated $1.5 billion in broadband funding for Alaska is significant. We get some of the biggest amounts of federal funding for broadband of any state in the country, not per capita, straight up broadband funding. The infrastructure coordinator for Governor Mike Dunleavy's administration says the state is determining what infrastructure spending can be proposed during the legislative session, which must end by May 18th. The state's eligibility for other funding won't be clear until after the session. Taking a look at the community calendar. The deadline to submit written comments for the Southeast and Yakutat Finfish and Shellfish Board of Fisheries meeting is Wednesday, February 23rd. You can find more information on how to submit comments by looking at the community calendar posting. All are invited to celebrate Valentine's Day by going on a blind date with a book from Sitka Public Library. Gift wrap books for all ages are on display at the library through February 28th, where readers can read the clues, choose a book, and check it out. You can call 907-747-4020 for more information. A section of the Sitka Cross Trail from Cascade Creek Bridge to Kramer Avenue is closed due to localized erosion and embankment failure, making the trail unsafe and impassable until further notice. Hikers are asked to avoid the area and follow all signage. Contact the Public Works Department at 907-747-1804 with any questions. The Alaska Marine Safety Education Association conducts a Mariner's First Aid and CPR AED class today at 8 a.m. at the Northern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association. Cost is $125. Attendees will receive the U.S. Coast Guard-accepted two-year first aid and CPR certification from the American Safety and Health Institute. You can register online at amc.org or call 907-747-3287. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.